Welcome to the Ancient World Podcast and to the entrance into the Empyrean. So this, is a, this is the final stage of the journey into paradise. And we're now through all the spheres. We're at Canto 30. And the last four cantos is just a... It's a mysterious, beautiful, deep, spiritual and poetic visual beyond. It's, it's just astonishing. And we'll get this... You'll see from the beginning that this is a, a yet another um, kind of environment to be in. And it's full of deep philosophy and also theology and uh, and, and things to, to ponder <laughs> ponder for a long time. So the the main themes are just that we get the entry like the, the welcoming into the Empyrean and then also uh, the what we will see is the the rose the divine rose which is where all the blessed souls live. So in the spheres they are reflected down so it could be understandable for Dante and for us when we read it but they all live in this divine rose up in the Empyrean. So here's how Dante starts. This, this place in the, in the journey. About 6,000 miles away, high noon is blazing, and the shadow of our world already slopes into a level bed. When in the midst of heaven, so deep above, a change begins, and one star here and there starts fading from our sight at such a depth. And as the brightest handmaid of the sun comes closer, and the heavens start to close, light after light, until the fairest fades, just so the triumph that forever plays its round around the point of dazzling light that seemed contained by what itself contains, little by little faded from my sight, and seeing it no more, my love constrained my eyes to look again at Beatrice. So here the opening is 15 lines, five tercets, and it's important because it's it shows a what will be kind of a gradual opening of this world of the Empyrean, and it's it's also full of, of of beauty and and the change. So from the beginning, when he says about six thousand miles away, this is a way of saying just before dawn. It's uh, we're back to the science and the astronomy, the cir- circumference of the world was thought to be 2,400 miles, a quarter was 5,100 miles. And then 6,000 means like a little bit more than a quarter, meaning <laughs> that this is a, about one hour before dawn. And the shadow of our world already slopes into a level bed, so meaning that the, the shadow from the earth, then when, when you have the dawn, it is kind of fading out. And then one star here and there are fading, just like how in the morning when you have dawn, the stars are gradually fading into, like becoming invisible. And as the brightest handmaid of the sun, so this is uh, Aurora, the goddess of dawn. And this is just <laughs> as deep as you, like a metaphor as you can get almost. Like, so now we're at a new dawn and you will have a new light rising. And it, then it keeps going, light after light, until the fairest fades. So the fairest star was then Venus, like the, the brightest star in the morning, which also represents love, and this then corresponds to the seraphims, which are 
the angelical beings for pure love and then they are also now fading away as this whole vision, the beatific vision, is fading away. Which is then called the triumphs, the triumph that forever plays, is now little by little faded. And then he looks again at Beatrice. So this is like one slow, beautiful moment from the opening to say that now something new is coming. If all I said of her up to this time were gathered in a single poem of praise, it would be but a scanty comment now. So now the, the beauty is taking the, 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 the main focus and then if everything he had said was just one little poem, <laughs> it would be uh, insufficient to describe how he is viewing Beatrice as symbol of theology and knowledge and divine revelation at this point. The beauty I saw there goes far beyond all mortal reach. I think that only he who made it knows the full joy of its being. At this point I admit to my defeat. No poet, comic or tragic, ever was more outdone by this theme than I am now. For as sunlight does to the weakest eyes, so did the mere thought of her lovely smile strike every recognition from my mind. From the first day that I beheld her face in this life till the vision of her now, referring to when Dante saw her in Florence when they were both nine years old for the first time, I could trust in my poems to sing her praise. But now I must stop trying to pursue her beauty in my verse, for I have done as much as any artist at his best. As such, I leave her to the heralding of greater clarion than mine. So a greater poet, alluding here to the, the creator in itself, which start to draw its arduous theme now to a close. So pointing to that the whole journey, the theme of the ascent into paradise and to understand the divine essence is now coming more towards the closing. She, with the tone and gesture of a guide whose task is done, so this is also then referring to, like, we're getting more things are being drawn together, so this points to uh, Virgil in the Garden of Eden, when he has this speech and says, I have done, like, I have taught you what I can, and now you are the Lord of yourself, as he said at that point. So she says, We have gone beyond, from greatest sphere to heaven of pure light. Light of the intellect, light full of love, love of the true good, full of ecstasy, ecstasy that transcends the sweetest joy. So this is a very important, both that she says we have gone beyond, and then the light and the love and the ecstasy are important parts of the experience of being in the paradise. Both as light as the intellectual understanding, and then love as, as the love and the, of, with the true good, and then the ecstasy is in some sense kind of the fulfillment of, <laughs> of the intellect and the love. So there's also the Italian version is, is very nice here. So it's uh, al ciel che pura luce, like in the heavens of pure light, luce intellettual piena d'amore, amore di vero ben, piena letizia, letizia che trascende ogni dolzore. So this is the, the intellectual light full of love, Love of, of the true goodness, full of, of a serene joy, 
a serene joy that transcends only or every sweetness. Here you shall see the twofold soldiery of paradise, and one host you will see as you will see them on the final day. So twofold soldiery is again the the angels and the blessed souls, blessed human souls. Just as a sudden flash of lightning strikes the visual spirits and so stuns the eyes that even the clearest objects fades from sight, so glorious living light encompassed me, enfolding me so tightly in its veil of luminous that I saw only light. So now we have framed this and then you get the welcoming uh, kind of transition into the Empyrean with the light. So this is referring to uh, New Testament, St. Paul in Acts 22, when he is on his way to Damascus and he's a persecutor of Christians. Uh, so it says, verse 6, And it came to pass that as I made my journey and was come nigh unto Damascus about noon, suddenly there shone from heaven a great light around me. And I fell unto the ground and heard a voice saying unto me, Soul, soul, why persecutest thou me? And then it goes to, And when I could not see for the glory of that light, being led by the hand of them that were with me, I came into Damascus. So this is the second time that Dante is referring to, to the transformation of St. Paul. The love that calms this heaven forever greets all those who enter with such salutation. So is the candle for its flame prepared. So this comes from Beatrice. And she's just explaining that this encompassing light around Dante is, is the welcoming of like the warmth and the love that comes from the divine when you enter into Empyrean. And it's also a preparation, like, for, like as the candle is being prepared for the light. So it's, uh, it's the first step of entering fully into the, the Empyrean. No sooner had these brief, assuring words entered my ears than I was full aware my senses now were raised beyond their powers. This is a very important place in this canto. So, so Dante is being transformed again, and his uh, his his ability for the for understanding has grown even even greater. And now we will enter a a very deeply symbolic and visual and almost like surrealistic part of the canto. The power of new sight lit up my eyes so that no light, however bright it were, would be too brilliant for my eyes to bear. So now he can suddenly absorb like anything. No light is too brilliant. So now he's, he's kind of, he's moved beyond being human here. And I saw light that was a flowing stream, blazing in splendid sparks between two banks, painted by spring in miracles of color. This is referring to several several uh, scenes or kind of visual imagery in the biblical stories, especially the Revelation, but also from um, from Daniel and from Isaiah. So here you. We are now getting into this big vision, and it um, it's a bit complicated. But <laughs> the flowing stream is meant to be the divine grace that is flowing into the the creation in itself. Uh, 
and the splendid sparks are the angels. And then you will have uh, on the banks you have flowers, which are the, um, the blessed souls of humans. Out of this stream, the sparks of living light, meaning the angels, were shooting up and settling on the flowers, the blessed human souls. They looked like rubies set in rings of gold. So rubies is like the, the red ruby is a, a symbol of the divine love. Then, as if all that fragrance made them drunk, they poured back into that miraculous flood, like the divine grace that is just flooding out. And as one plunged, another took to flight. So when one one of the angels have, have gone to the flower, it, it goes back again into the source of the, of the grace. The deep desire burning, urging you to seek the answers to what you have seen, pleases me more the more I see its search. So Beatrice is happy to see that Dante is even more curious now. There's a burning desire for him to understand what he is seeing. But you must first drink of these waters here before such thirst as yours is satisfied. So this means that Dante himself has to start drinking from this, this stream of the divine grace to be able to understand this symbolic visual vision that he's having. So did she speak, that sunlight of my eyes. So this is also another very important shift in the whole book. That Beatrice is now the sunlight of his eyes. This, up to this point, there's, there's, you had the, all these references that he's looking into her eyes and seeing the reflected light, but suddenly now she is becoming light that goes into his eyes. So it's kind of a momentous shift that has suddenly happened once we are now in the Empyrean. And then she said, The stream, the jewels you see, leap in and out of it. The smiling blooms are all prefigurations of their truth. Meaning... Um, early versions or like what he's seeing is not the, the full truth but it's it's um it's a beginning it's a step it's a it's a hint of what these things really mean in like, de more deeply into the symbolic vision these things are not imperfect in themselves the defect rather lies within your sight as yet not strong enough to reach such heights so the the reason why it's not fully comprehensible to Dante is that he is not, he still has to uh, rise a little bit or grow a little bit more. No baby, having slept too long and now awakened late, could rush to turn his face more eagerly to seek his mother's milk. Then I bent down my face to make my eyes more lucid mirrors that were within that stream which pours its light for their embitterment. No sooner had the eaves of my eyes drunk within those waters than the river turned from its straight course to a circumference. So what is happening here is that as he is getting more of the divine grace, he's also then getting a, a greater insight and understanding. And then the river, which is then, has been a straight course, meaning time, is changing and transforming into a circumference, meaning into a circle, which is then uh, a symbol of, of eternity and of perfection.
which again is symbolic of his, his greater understanding of things and also of time in itself. And then as people at a masquerade take off their masks, which have until that time been hiding their true selves, so then and there, before my eyes, the sparks and flowers, meaning the angels and the blessed souls, changed into a greater festival. I saw both courts of heaven in their reality. So now he's seeing the both courts in like more real how they are because he has more of the divine grace and this first vision of the river and, and the kind of the sparks at the flowers is now changing into something more deep and more profound. O splendid grace of God, through which I saw the one true kingdom's triumph, grant me now the power to find the words for what I saw. So here's another big change in the whole book that earlier in, in the whole of the comedy, he's, uh, Dante's invoking the Greek mythological figures of Minerva and of Apollo and of the Muses. And he, he also invoked the, the star constellation of the Gemini. But now he's going directly to the divine to give, give him the powers to try to describe this. There is a light above whose glory makes creator visible to his creations, whose only peace is in beholding him. In some ways, this is a, a slight... Um, Reference to Augustine, like to find like when your heart rests in Thee is is the how Augustine explains like understanding the divine makes him gives him finally the peace. In figure of a circle, this light spreads and is so vast that its circumference would be too loose a belt to bind the sun. So the image here is that the, the light that comes in Empyrean comes downward and then it hits the surface of the primo mobile, the, the biggest sphere. And then because this is a sphere, the light is reflected outwards in a circle. So this is like everywhere around Dante, but it's but it's also becoming this enormous circle, this uh, a circle of light and like a lake of light. And the circumference of this circle is larger than the whole sun. And its expanse come from a single ray striking the summit of the first moved sphere from which it takes its vital force and power. So there's a single ray of the divine light is then coming down and it hits the surface of the primo mobile and then it's reflected upwards and creates this enormous circle and, and lake of light that is bigger than the sun. And it also pushes the, the sphere of the primo mobile into motion and gives it power, so it then also it's, it creates movements in all the other spheres and down to the earth. Which means also this one single ray is, is also creating the motion which is time in itself, in the material world. And as a hillside rich in grass and flowers looks down into a lake as if it were admiring the reflection of its wealth, so mirrored tier on tier within that light more than a thousand were reflected there I saw all those of us who won return so he's now seeing all the blessed souls that are in the whole of this this uh, which will become a big rose now but it's a, the whole of the, the, the all the levels of, of uh, light with the souls 
And if the lowest tier alone can hold so great a brilliance, then how vast the space of this rose to its outer petals reach. So rose is then the, the symbol of love in itself. And then the, the levels, the tiers are just growing in size and creating this huge, with the petals, like this enormous rose of <laughs> the blessed. And yet, by such enormous breadth and height, my eyes were not confused. They took in all in number and in quality of bliss. So here Dante has almost become something else because it, he's taking in the whole sight with, with no problems. It's, he's not confused and his capacity has, has then expanded. In so much, just, it's not just expanded, but he has transformed now. And then he can see all of it with clarity. So he, he adds here, There, near and far, nor adds nor takes away. For where the divine rules directly without agents, meaning not through nature and not through angels, just directly the divine, the laws of nature in no way apply. So near and far is just again reminding us that this is beyond time and space. This is an eternal realm of just light and love. So he can see all the parts of this this like enormous rose up, up. It's not up, but it's how we could see it above him, uh, and and he can see every detail with clarity because they're they're all immediate for him now. Into the gold of the eternal rose, whose ranks of petals fragrantly unfold, praise to the sun of everlasting spring, in silence though I long to speak, was I taken by, by Beatrice, who said. So now they're moving into the center of the rose. And then Beatrice is saying to him, Look how vast is our white-robed consistory. So this is a reference to the Revelation at the end of the New Testament. Look at our city. See its vast expanse. You see our seats so filled only a few remain for souls that heaven still desires. So there's only a few places left for blessed human souls. This is a part of, so Dante wrote earlier in a book called Convivio, and he stated that we are already in the final age of the world. And he continues. In that great chair, already set with crown above it, and which draws your eyes to it, before your summons to this nuptial feast shall sit the sole predestined emperor of that great Henry, who one day will come to set straight Italy before her time. So now she's talking about the great Henry VII, the Count of Luxembourg. He became emperor in, for the Holy Roman Empire in 1308, and then he was supported by Pope Clement V. So... Then the Emperor Henry entered Italy in 1310 with a mixed uh, reception. And then three years later, he became ill and then he died in 1313. And then this is still then the future for, for, for the pilgrim in the story because the time, since we're still well, now in the Imperium, but, <laughs> but the time for the story is 1300. And then Dante is also in some ways uh, trying to reserve a seat for himself himself 
also in the white rose already. And Beatrice continues, you are bewitched by blind cupidity that makes you starve to death like a poor child who has a nurse but pushes her away. And at that time, the prefect of God's court, meaning the Pope, and this is the, the Pope Clement V, who was then first supporting the Emperor Henry, and then he was opposing him because he was afraid of the French king. The prefect of God's court will be a man who publicly agrees to tread his path, but not so secretly, meaning the betrayal. But the divine will not permit him to stay long in holy office. So the Pope died one year, less than one year after the Emperor Henry. He shall be thrust down where Simon Magus pays his guilt and he shall stuff the Alaniese deeper down. <laughs> so this, is, this is back to humorous and, and charming Dante at the end of this, this enormous canto because he says when when Pope Clement V, when he passes away, he will be put down into the inferno in the eighth circle, the third bolcha of the eighth circle. <laughs> and then he will also then push the Alagnese deeper down. And the, from Alagne, so this is a person who was born in Alagne, and that is one we heard about before, Pope Boniface VIII. So the last words of Beatrice in the journey of the paradise is this little condemnation of Pope Boniface VIII. And it was also because you had a, you had a hole like in, in the inferno, there was a place for the fraudulent popes. And then each new one that came into that hole but by pushing all the other ones deeper down into the inferno. So that's, um, <laughs> that's the last words we hear from Beatrice. Um, and it's a, uh, it's a charming kind of move from Dante that this is so enormous and, and symbolically deep and also getting very religious in a sense. And then Dante is calming it down with, with, his, with his ending. And just to repeat then the overall thing, so we're in the Empyrean and Dante is going through several transformations and he's becoming otherworldly in a sense. And then you also kind of... You can almost feel it when you read the poetry that is becoming surreal and, and beyond kind of the normal way of experiencing the world. And then he sees this enormous rose with all the blessed souls. Uh, okay, so then we're going to stop it here and um, hope some of this was interesting. And, and this is a canto that you can read several times, both because it's beautiful and because it's very profound. So uh, we're going to end this episode here. And as always, thank you so much for listening and uh, talk to you again soon.